This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, March 11th, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The way markets use reputation is rapidly evolving. New technologies now allow you to efficiently turn your good reputation into income. Max Borders, editor of The Freeman, spoke with me about the importance of reputational capital at the International Students for Liberty conference held last month. In, in probably more obscure economics, there's this idea that um, with repeat dealings with other people, it's important to gain reputation capital, which is this idea that when I see you and I trade with you, I want to be able to trust you. And we gain that trust through reputation. Uh, you know, other people, what they know about you and so on, what you know about me, that sort of lubricates the exchanges and, and cooperation that you and I might have. So we want to, to build that reputation capital up over time uh, because we, we want to succeed at our various pursuits, and it takes trust to do that. So the opposite side of that, in my mind, is uh, like a hot dog cart in Tijuana, Mexico, mm-hmm. because you're never going to go back. <laughs> right, right. And, um, uh, you know, maybe the, the hot dog cart person... Uh, uh, still wants that reputation capital for that area. So if you are a Spanish speaker in that area, you might say, look, to, to someone else, um, to maybe to another competitor or another person at the, the villa by the beach or wherever it is, look, this guy serves nasty hot dogs, and he certainly doesn't want that reputation capital because uh, these communities can be small, close-knit, and, and their business depends on good reputation. And technology has really allowed that type of capital to be transported uh, even around the world. This is fantastic phenomenon, <clears throat> emergent phenomenon that we're seeing now. And it's uh, we're really on the cusp of an amazing era where suddenly trust is possible along so many dimensions of our lives because we are enjoying the network effects of frankly, being networked. So, for example, everybody's favorite example lately, let's go ahead and beat it up, is Uber and Lyft, right? You get into my my car, and I'm a Lyft driver, and all of a sudden, we have a mechanism for storing reputation capital. You're evaluating me, I'm evaluating you, and what happens? Uh, we, we can accrete this reputation capital over time, but based on every one of our interactions. So if you vomit in my back seat because you've been drinking too much, uh, then I might not give you five stars. And future drivers will know to look out for the guy who drinks too much and takes, uh, and takes rides like this. That being said, on net, the aggregate is such that the mechanism for, uh, for reputation is now... Um, is now available to us in a very transparent, very uh, interpersonal way that has never been in human history. And uh, this kind of capital uh, really has great opportunities to help the poor advance themselves economically. Sure. Um, we can think about very people who have access to capital. It's interesting parallels with Hernando de Soto's work in the developing world. The idea is we want to get access to quote-unquote dead capital. 
Well, here in, in, in the developed world, we also have dead capital. It's called my car when uh, I wasn't using it or I had no, nothing to do with, with my car short of going to some job or the other. Suddenly, unlocking dead capital in my car and in my time is possible because of these sh- uh, sharing economy technologies. That is a profound transformation. We can, we have, we can unlock dead capital in our beach house. I live in Austin, Texas. I'm going to try to unlock dead capital in my house during South by Southwest and take a little little trip out of town while all the crazies are descending on, on Austin. Uh, that's Airbnb. These kind of internetworking technologies are fundamentally transforming things on a number of dimensions, and I think the most important one is the, the political economy. I think in particular with Uber and Lyft and uh, Airbnb, there is... A, an opportunity for the broad public to have a, a grander appreciation of civil society, of how robust civil society can can really be without regulation, without a specific set of regulators operating in your state capital or Washington or in City Hall. Right. Suddenly, the idea of a self-regula- self-regulating network that depends on social capital, trust, reputation capital, and so on, is ostensible. People know it now, they see it, they understand it, they live it, in a way that seemed to be an abstraction before. So for, so for example, instead of just now saying, well, there are all these wonderful market mechanisms for ensuring that markets self-regulate, abstraction, 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 now we can point to something and say, look at what happened there. See how much more effective that is than some dirigist top-down form of regulation where sort of masterminds in Washington uh, try to figure out how to internalize uh, externalities or prevent people from having fraud committed against them or bad products or safety or whatever the, the regulation du jour is predicated on, right? Now we have these mechanisms that are far more powerful and far more distributed, and this has big, big implications. So for people around the world, uh, I'm thinking especially in countries that are not developed, uh, it seems like the great opportunity here lies in getting those people networked and allow them to begin to take advantage of of that opportunity. I think there is a fantastic opportunity for technological and innovative solutions to problems of institutions. Uh, let 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 me put it in another way. First, and then I want to go back to example, if I may. Sure. Um, so, th- think about um, there's an there's an old okay scholarly idea of concentrated benefits, dispersed costs, and that means that there are uh, at the intersection of government and business, uh, businesses and small even sometimes small lobbies or small interest groups have a very deep and direct interest in the outcome of some legislation. So they are very good partners with politicians on certain things because they are able to spread the costs of that legislation out among the populace, who's largely ignorant of this because it's, it's relatively low cost. The aggregate over time means it's a big cost to the taxpayer, but any individual instance of this happening is hard for people. Mansur Olson, the famous economist, said that this causes civilizations to sort of decay over time. We see this happen in America with crony capitalism every day. But here's the interesting thing. 
The Uber example gives us, shows how the concentrated benefits dispersed cost phenomenon gets inverted. Now we have concentrated costs of enforcement on the part of the government and dispersed benefits that are very clear. You have a hive constituency now, like never before. So the more we have hive constituencies that are a counter, a check, if you will, against these old style interest group politics, these concentrated benefits dispersed costs, you now are in a situation where the game is changed and power cannot long accrete around capitals. It's now being redistributed, decentralized among the people. Take that to the third world, introduce new institution structures, new governance structures that compete with the old ones that aren't working, perhaps through internet, te internet working technologies like stuff on the blockchain through crypto innovations, you have got potentially game-changing stuff. And it's not happening uh, through sort of, you know, um, freedom by statute. It's happening freedom by design, freedom by internet working. It's a fantastic phenomenon. And this is the first time in history we're really seeing this. Max Borders is editor of The Freeman. You can subscribe to this and other podcasts at iTunes and at our website, cato.org.